прежде молись, Господь велик, скоро Он придет во славе нас возьмет. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, where we take you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and today we're taking you back to Ukraine, but this time closer to the conflict than we've taken you before. What you just heard were members of a church partner that Samaritan's Purse is working with. They're spending time in worship before their Sunday service in a city near the front lines of the fighting. Since February, Samaritan's Purse has been working to meet both the physical and spiritual needs of hurting families impacted by the deadly conflict in Ukraine, and we've served more than 2.8 million people. We've treated thousands of patients in multiple medical facilities, including our emergency field hospital. We've airlifted crucial medical supplies to resupply the Ukrainian hospitals. We've installed water systems, supplying millions of liters of drinking water. And as you'll hear today on the episode, we've partnered with local churches to truck and distribute life-saving food rations to suffering families that are trapped in the red zone. We've stood amazed as we watch God bless our ongoing partnership with local churches. Together, we're getting out thousands of tons of food to families who are hungry and trapped in the conflict zone. One of our correspondents, Stephen, was recently in Ukraine, and he got to witness this food distribution project firsthand. So I had the chance to sit down with him and hear how God is working, even in the midst of this crisis. So, Stephen, you know, we have covered uh, the work that Samaritan's Purse has done in Ukraine over the the past several months. So can you even just share um, what the parts of the country that you were able to see looked like and how that devastation impacted you, first off? Yeah, absolutely. It's The world has watched, um, and we've seen the images coming out of Ukraine of this destruction and what that looks like. Um, But seeing it firsthand was really a sobering experience, and it was something I don't think will ever quite leave me. Um, As the conflict shifts and as the fighting changes, um, the front line is moving. And so we've been able to access places that we've not been able to go before. And so on this recent deployment, a team and I were able to go farther east. Um, We spent a lot of time in central Ukraine, driving around with our church partners. um, And really the images were so um, shocking. We're seeing a lot of a lot of really um, eerie images on the road here, on our way to this village. Um, Anton, what does it look like? What have we been seeing? Uh, so we drive through the main, the main road, Central Street, and uh, both sides of that street, uh, almost all buildings are destroyed. So. Try to imagine all all buildings are burned out and destroyed. Houses without roofs, without walls, walls, and people are trying to clean, uh, clean all the destruction. And yeah, yeah. Oh, look here, car. Wow, there's a car, if you can call it that anymore, just completely destroyed. What do you think happened to that car? Uh, I think that was anti-tank missile. Uh, some missile hits that car. Wow, wow. And even in the areas that may not have looked so destroyed, really, you know, danger could be around any corner. 
still you're not allowed to walk in forest. I see. Uh, because there are a lot of mines in, in forest. So we're on a road right now, but on either side of the road, there's really long stretches of just forest land. And Pastor Anton is saying, yeah, actually, you can't go in there. Um, it's not safe because of uh, devices that maybe haven't exploded yeah, yet. Yeah, 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 I see. I see. How long do you think that demining process would take for an area like this or for Ukraine as a whole? Uh, it will take years. It will take years. For you to understand, this war is a part of bigger story what happened here during the last hundred of years. And during dur during last hundred of years we had here First World War. Oh we may need to pause. I think we have a checkpoint here. So hang yeah. on, let me put my recorder down one yeah. second. As you can hear, the roads in Ukraine are unpredictable and filled with checkpoints. I felt like I was sitting in the car with Stephen and the driver, and I just wish they could continue talking um, and was hanging on every word. But I was able to continue talking with Stephen as he shared with me how the war has affected everyday life. Yeah. As we drove around in this part of Ukraine, we were in a lot of recently liberated um, cities and towns. So the fighting had kind of moved on to a different place and left behind the aftermath, the rubble of what war does to people. Um, and when you think about it, practically what that looks like for families is businesses shut down. Uh, everyday life ceases to exist the way it once did. You can no longer go to the grocery store and buy food for your family. And this is something we were seeing across the board that was a really major need that maybe people watching the news wouldn't think of immediately. So we saw a lot of hunger. But I got to attend a food distribution one day uh, where nearly 500 people were in attendance. It was in partnership with one of our church partners. Um, Samaritan's Purse had provided all of the food that day, and our church partner was um, willingly giving this out to families that had fled fighting in the east. And while we were there, it was a massive crowd of people. Um, you could see a lot of desperation in people's eyes as they waited in line to receive a food ration. And I got to actually speak to a woman for security reasons. I can't say her real name, but we'll just call her Oksana. Um, Oksana is a single mother of two children. She left the fighting when the bombings started getting closer to her home, and I got to pull her aside and just hear her story and hear what she's been through. Uh, what brought you here? Why did you leave your home? I, I am and my two kids leave uh, this, this place where we lived because the territory at that moment when we leave it was occupied and I want, don't know what would be next and for safety reason I lived uh, and moved here. Mm. And um, what brings you here today to this distribution? I came here to bring some uh, products, some food package because I have not a lot, not so much money to provide my family, my kids, because I am alone without husband. What's been the most difficult thing about this experience for you? 
твоем городе, потому что нам казалось, что это происходит именно у нас уже. Ну, так... so I heard a lot of explosion. It was really scary, It's really like scary emotionally. А что будет дальше? Как как мы будем и And when and when your kids are scary, it's more difficult because they asking you what is what is happening, what is, and you can't explain them, so it's more difficult. Oksana's struggle and heartbreak over her children being scared struck me to the core. I know, as a mom, that it's difficult to explain things like war and death and poverty. And it paralyzes me when my, my own kids are scared and anxious. But I couldn't imagine not being able to shield my kids from bombings and death and lack of food. Uh, the, weight of this, the weight that is on this mother's shoulder is, is truly unbearable. And I'm so grateful that the church is loving and supporting mothers like Oksana. And Samaritan's Purse is able to help during this time. And this wouldn't be possible without our partner with the local church. While on the ground, we got to hear not only about these faithful believers, but we got to visit their churches in person and see the body of Christ in action. One church in particular that I can think of that really stood out to me, um, we got there late at night and we met the pastor, Sergey, there at the door. And he began to walk us around the church and show us the efforts he and this body of believers are doing to help people in Ukraine. Um, so while we walked around, um, it was clear that they're housing people. Uh, up to that point, they had housed almost 8,000 people since the crisis first began. Um, every corner of this church building had a mattress laying on the floor. We saw Samaritan's Purse blankets. They were providing meals. Um, there were dogs and cats running around everywhere, and it felt like chaos. And while it was heartbreaking to see these people being evacuated from the east and sleeping on the floor of this church, it was also incredibly encouraging to see the conviction and the heart that this church had to serve. So, and at the first day of the war, we gather together with our leadership team and decide what should we do in this situation. And praise the Lord, he helped us to understand the role of the church during the war. So, and we decide to open our church building and our homes for refugees. And the second day of the war, first refugees come to our church. We, they come here. Uh, some of them has emotional problems. Most of them are not Christians. And this is first time when they see evangelical Christians. And uh, we understand that this is a very important role, our role, to show them Christ. Mm. And most of them who come to us and stay here for a while and go to the West, mm. they said, thank you very much. You showed us love and mercy of your God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, this is wonderful. Some of their stories are terrible. Sometimes people come to us uh, injured by their bombs, so, and they come in big uh, kind of emotional troubles and this kind of spiritual, of course. But yeah, we have a lot of stories and how God protected people and we are thankful to our God and we are very, very thankful to those people who pray for us, who pray for Ukraine because uh, especially we as a volunteers we are exhausted, we serve every day 24 hours per day 
but uh, we receive uh, strength and encouragement from God through your prayers. I just love this pastor's heart and the way that on the first day of the war, instead of hiding and being fearful, they gathered to strategize how they could best serve and love people during this struggle. And, and since day one, that has been their priority. And it hasn't been easy. They're tired and weary. And I actually thought of them this morning when I read Second Thessalonians 3. In verse 13, it says, But as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. And that is what this church is doing. They are continuing to serve during this struggle. And Stephen was at one of the worship services when they sang, We Believe. It's a powerful song, and I've always loved it. But reading the lines uh, now, after hearing them worship, it's the, the beginning of the song says, In this time of desperation, when all we know is doubt and fear, there is only one foundation. And, and this shows that the church's foundation truly is in Jesus Christ. Uh, during doubt and fear, they are not shaken because their foundation is in Him. We're partnering with this church to get food into the red zone where people are suffering. You're going to the difficult places and you're partnering with Samaritan's Purse to do that. Can you tell me a little bit about that partnership and what it looks like when you're getting in these trucks and these vans and driving to the east where there's conflict? What's happening? Yeah, of course, we have wonderful partnership with Samaritan Purse. It's really because this organization really works here. Not just talk, speak, something like this. Uh, something that, but do God's work here. So, and we receive help from Samaritan Poor's for refugees who stay in our city, and but also especially the focus to help people who are in the conflict zone, war, war area. So, and we use our own buses or vans or vehicles or someone find somewhere and we use them to go there. And every time when we go to the conflict area, so we bring, uh, we take food to those people because they really need this. In some villages there is no water, no heating system, no uh, stores, uh, everything closed, so, and they, but they, they, they need food. And uh, so this, this is another kind of our ministry. Go there, bring food from Samaritan Poor's, thank you very much, mm -hmm. and take people back from, from that area. For, so, and it works. Mm -hmm. um, so, and our drivers, they are very good Christians. They are very brave, mm -hmm. and we pray for them every time when they go. And we couldn't do what we did without this, without the church partners. You know, they are an integral role of this, you know, process, especially, as you mentioned, going into the red zone. Can you explain to us, you know, why humanitarian organizations, why we can't, we can't go in ourselves? Mm -hmm. You know, our teams cannot drive this into the red zones um, to provide what they need where they need it. Why can these church partners do that? Yeah. You know, Samaritan's Purse, we work all over the world in conflict zones, in disaster zones. Um, but really, the reason we're able to get this food and these supplies into these heavy conflict areas is because our church partners who go and deliver the supplies, 
They know the areas. They know the roads to stay on. They speak the local language. They know these communities well. They may even have intel on where families are hiding out and what they're doing um, to avoid danger. That equips them to get the food to them more quickly, more efficiently. Um, and so really that partnership is, is crucial to making sure the most need is being met. We have a lot of stories how God protected our people, our drivers, from from terrible things. We have one dr- uh, we have one driver, and he usually uh, uh, travel to Kramatorsk. Kramatorsk is another city. Uh, is a city on the east, uh, and he he usually early morning about five o'clock every day uh, when he goes there. At five o'clock, he left our church and go there to take people. That day, he decided to sleep one more, one hour more, and he start to go to Kramatorsk six o'clock. And hour before he came to Kramatorsk, rocket destroyed the railway sta- oh, train station there. So God saved his life. He gave him. Good sleep. <laughs> As you heard the pastor mention, the work of delivering this essential aid into eastern Ukraine is is difficult. It's dangerous. However, through God's provision and protection, our brave church partners are truly being unsung heroes. They're driving this life-saving food straight into the areas of conflict. Let's pick up with one of the drivers going into the red zone. Stephen had the chance to ride along with him as he carried life-saving supplies to people in need. Stephen couldn't go the entire way, but I think it's critical for you to hear the heart and the bravery of these church members. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the area that we're driving these supplies to? Um, is it dangerous there? What do the conditions look like? Yes, this territory is really dangerous. So, uh, nearby to this town and eight in the central of this town, in this especially in this town, shoot by guns, by mines, with the rockets, heated the city, town, and uh, nearby places. How are the people in this area doing? Um, what kind of condition are they in right now? There's a lot of people already evacuated, and a lot of people staying here and does not evacuated yet. And there are a lot of military soldiers there. The, the lot of a lot of cities, a lot of buildings are destroyed yet. And sometimes, like people doesn't have the good conditions. Yeah. Um, what kind of dangers are possible on the drive out to this area for you as a driver? The dangerous is especially at that places where the, the final place destination uh, to do not be heated by rocket or mine. There are a lot of military planes are flying around this city and they are bombed that places. Can you tell me a little bit about why you do this? Why you take this risk of driving supplies into dangerous areas for people in need? But during the, this war situation, during the month, we were founded by friends from Samaritan's Purse. 
and they start and they like give support with uh, food aid, uh, the humanitarian aid, the medical supplies. And it was really in time. It was the perfect time for uh, this support. I third because I um, I goes by the scripture because I know scripture. I live by scripture, and I love the scripture. So. Not only do you transport supplies into this red zone, into these areas where conflict is still ongoing, but then you bring people who want to leave out with you when you come back, is that correct? Of course, on the another way, the back, way back, we, uh, we found people who are flee from this war, who are stayed a, a lot of days at the shelters. And they ask it to be evacuated, this safe place. And we help them to be evacuated here, and we give them place, food, um, place, for, for, place for sleeping, and help them. Mm. What would people do in these areas who aren't evacuating, in these places where you're dropping off medical supplies, where you're dropping off food? What would they do? If you weren't driving the truck in, would they survive? So when war started, the all logistic and the for all grocery stores are stopped. In the, some regions, uh, it was the hunger there. Most of all, all businesses are stopped. Has stopped. The all jobs they are stopped, and uh, the. The people stay and be unemployment and they doesn't have any salary. These regions are not rich, so they didn't like they really live simply. And the uh, people starting to be poor in this food distribution, food package that we distribute there for free. The people started to survive, the people feeding their family and their kids. And people believe for the better, they hope for better. You risk your life to drive this truck with supplies to help save other people's lives. Why do you think that Christians around the world need to step up with what's happening in Ukraine and get involved? The scripture says, Страдает ли один член, страдает многие. If one Su uh, suffering that a lot of peoples are also suffering. There is time where the church of God is like suffering a lot. The churches are destroyed. Their houses are destroyed. They, this, those people who lived a normal life, they stay in, in right now they are poor and like refugees, suffering. They become to people in need, and we need to help them. All Ukraine are really suffering from this war. Well, we're getting to the point actually where I can't go much farther with you um, as you continue your drive out. Um, so I wanted to ask you how we can be praying for you specifically. We'll pray for peace in Ukraine, and we'll pray for the suffering to end. But how can we pray for you? I'm like as church ser servant. I also ask to pray for wisdom, to the guiding, for the goodness, protection. Для меня, для своей семьи. For me, for my family, for church, and for God's will in this land. Um, so we're pulled over now. 
um, by a gas station. Uh, I've got to get out soon. Um, but I want to pray for you as you head out on your journey. Stephen got to pray with the driver before they parted ways. Stephen thanked the Lord for this church and for their bravery. He prayed for protection over the truck and over the driver and that he would be a light in the darkness. I just love the way that they took the time to pray. In the midst of danger and uncertainty, they looked to the Lord for guidance. Amen. Amen. See you. I loved hearing what the driver shared with Stephen and why he is driving into the danger. The verse that he shared on suffering was in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, which says, So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And that is what we're seeing through our church partners. It's a joy to serve with them and to help those that are suffering. Uh, Because as the body of Christ, it truly breaks our heart and we suffer as we watch people suffering. And through medical care, food distribution, airlifts, and water filtration systems, uh, we're working with the local church to relieve physical suffering, but more importantly, offer spiritual hope of the gospel. And the gospel is why we respond all around the world. We, We all have a void and a separation from God. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus as a gift of eternal life. It says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so this hope is why we meet physical needs all around the world, so that we can share the spiritual need that we all have. That is the common denominator. We are all separated from God in need of a Savior. And so if you want to know more about this hope in Jesus, I encourage you to go to SamaritansPurse.org. You can hear more about this, uh, but you can also look and see more about the projects that we're working with all around the world. I just want to thank you for supporting and for praying. Uh, We're really grateful for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you have a great and blessed day.